Well, good morning. We're glad uh, you are here today. If you'll take a, take a moment out and go ahead and get your notes uh, that are in your bulletin, you can follow along. And uh, I'm going to just talk to you for, for a couple of minutes. And uh, the title for today's message is Blank Happens. I'm sure you've seen the bumper stickers. And I was on my way back from Oregon, and I can't honestly say that God spoke to me about this title, <laughs> but as I went from Orlando to, uh, let's see, Salt Lake, Salt Lake, Seattle, Seattle, Eugene, I, I got in about 3 a.m. our time, Monday morning, and on one of the flights, I can't remember which one, there was a young man who had a black hat on, and it, it, it it had on his hat, the S word happens. And I thought, the way I'm feeling right now, that's a great title. <laughs> and so I'm going to let you fill in the blanks. I'm kind of, after this week, like I don't really know that I'm even qualified to even fill in the blanks for you, so I'm going to just let you fill in the blanks. Doesn't have to be the four-letter S word. It could be whatever you want. But I did come up with some, so, some words that I think that might be appropriate for you to fill in the blanks as we look into God's word here today. If you're with me, let me, let me hear a big amen. So I wrote down about 16 of them. Pain, sorrow, grief, trouble, tribulations, heartache, misery, Morning, how many are getting blessed? Suffering, sadness, affliction, despair, remorse, agony, hardship, and anguish. Now, I've given you 16 words that you can fill in the blanks here today. Because we're all kind of feeling a little bit different. Different levels of grief or sorrow or pain or heartache or tribulations or trouble. I don't know what you're going to fill in, but the, 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 uh, as we fill in our blanks today, as we look into God's word, you're going to be able to fill in your own blanks. And whether it's pain or sorrow or heartache or tribulation, whatever you want to do, you can fill it in, okay? If you want to use the S word, that's okay too. If you're under 30, I went to this website yesterday afternoon, and, and this is for slang words. So if you are under 30, these are some of the words you can use, uh, uh, and I don't really understand this, but uh, uh, when you are going through grief, it's getting your crayons broken, or whiskey bent, or mo deepest, deep shadows, or pop punk. How many are getting blessed? Don't really understand it, but I'm 61. So, so uh, if, if you are mopunk or deep shadows or, or whiskey bent or your crayons have been broken, you can fill that in too. We are all at different levels, different measures of, of grief and sorrow. And, and today I'm just going to talk, uh, really this last Sunday, we're just going to address this. I'm going to talk to you about uh, what happens when you're filled with pain and sorrow or heartache or what happens when your crayons get broken. And we're going to look at God's Word, and, and, and we're going to look at uh, some principles that I believe are going to help us uh, move forward. And if you're with me this morning, let me hear another amen. amen. 
So here's the first fill in the blank, and, and, and Sandra did a beautiful job of addressing this to our kids, and I love that. I wrote heartache. Heartache ha happens. You can put pain, you can put grief, you can put sorrow, trouble. Heartache happens because we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. Because of sin, this world is broken. What a great illustration of the kind of world that we live in. Wouldn't it be perfect if you could just kind of go through life without ever facing brokenness? But in the midst of brokenness and sorrow and heartache and getting your crayons breaking, broken, we have to come to an understanding that we live in a broken world and because of sin and rebellion and, and wanting to do things our own way, our world is broken. And in a broken world, bad things happen to good people. In a broken world, good things happen to bad people. In a broken world, things don't make sense. And I kept thinking this whole week, this just doesn't make sense. I just, I can't, and I've been dealing with this as a pastor for 40 years, and it just doesn't make sense. This is not the way I would have orchestrated it. But it's really helpful when you're in the midst of pain and sorrow and grief and heartache to, to really come to an understanding that we live in a broken world. Here's a scripture for you in John 16, 33. Jesus says, I'm going to give you peace because in this world, you're going to have trouble. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, church, the world that you're living in is broken and in a broken world, I'm going to give you peace, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I've overcome the brokenness in the world. Heartache happens because we live in a broken world. Listen to this. Do, do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world. All things break. And all things can be mended, not with time, as they say, but with intentional living. So go live intentionally. Live extravagantly. Live unconditionally. Listen, the broken world waits in darkness for the light that is in you. See, even in darkness, even when things don't make sense, there is a light in us that has a little bit of hope even in a broken world. And heartache and grief happen because we live in a broken world, but Christ has given us hope. He's given us light, and he's given us the ability to face brokenness and to still have the hope that is in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Number two, pain, heartache, sorrow, grief, trouble, they happen to everybody. Happens to everybody. Matthew chapter 5, here's your verse you can write in your notes here. Matthew chapter 5 says, He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the unrighteous and the righteous. The truth of this world that we're living in is that everyone faces hardship, suffering, and brokenness. 
Listen to this quote by Adrian Moore. The truth is we all face hardships of some kind. You never know the struggles a person is going through. Behind every smile, there is a story of personal struggle. Hardship, pain, grief, tribulations, they happen to everybody. And it really is a fact of how you deal with that heartache when it comes to your life. It happens to everybody. Now, I will admit, some people have more hardships than others. I don't understand that. Some people go through way more grief than I'll ever go through. Some people may escape a little bit, but really pain and hardship and troubles and tribulations, they happen to everybody. And the goal of life is not to get through life without having hardship because it's impossible because it happens to everybody. Number three, you still with me? Let me hear an amen. Grief happens, and we have to deal with it. When grief does happen, and by the way, how many are here today and you've had a taste, a little bit of grief or sorrow or hardship or tribulations? Can I see your hand? Yeah, it, it, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Now, now, look around just for a moment. Every hand, except for that guy in the balcony. Every hand, there you go. I saw that, that last hand. Everybody has dealt with grief and hardship and pain and sorrow. Yeah, you got two arms and a leg. Yeah, get your leg up there too. It's part of life. And the key to life is when you're faced with hardship, you have to face it. You have to deal with it. Look at James chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 2. It's not in your notes, but I'll read it to you. Consider it pure joy, brothers, whenever you face trials. Everyone say that word face. Face. You know what I find a lot of people do when they're dealing with hardship? They try to, they try to run from it. Try to avoid it. They try to ignore it. They try to blame. Instead of James saying, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You know, as a church, I believe we are, to the best of our ability, facing the heartache. We're facing the sorrow. We're facing the grief. We're facing the trouble that we're faced with. We're not running from it. We're not hiding it. We're not trying to cover it up. We're not trying to bury it. We're not trying to blame it on somebody else. We're facing the trials that we are faced with. But look what James says. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And as your pastor, I want, as a church, I want us at the end of our grief period, whatever it is. For some of you, it's going to be a couple days. Some of it's going to be a couple months. Some of it could be a couple years. There's no manual on how long it's going to take. But in the end, let it be said of us that we are mature and we're complete. We, we, we faced it. We, we dealt with it. We didn't ignore it or sidestep it, but we faced the trial that we're dealing with. And when you do that, the Bible says that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I love this quote. A gem cannot be polished without friction, nor men perfected without trials. Could it be that this trial that we are facing as a, as a leadership team, as a staff, as a church, could it be that this is one of the God's ways of perfecting us and making us better? I do believe in the end, I don't know how long it's going to take, could be a couple weeks, couple months, couple years, I don't know. But in the end, I do believe that if you face 
hardship and trouble and, and struggles and tribulations in a godly way, you will be a better person. I do believe that. I told you last week, man, I lived a, I lived a charmed life. Very little heartache. I was 58 years old, and I took a drink of that bitter cup. It's going to be four years this September. We weren't perfect. But I can honestly tell you that when you face what happens in your life and you do it to the best of your ability and you don't blame and you don't concentrate on why but you concentrate on what can I learn and who can I become, you are better because of it. I would have never wished this on my son or my family or me. But I can honestly look you in the face and say, I'm, I'm a better person. I'm more compassionate. I have more empathy. Pride has been ripped out and humility has been replaced with that. And I'm a better person because to the best of our ability, we've faced the trial that we've been faced with. That's why I got on a plane yesterday, uh, last Sunday after service and, and, and got to Eugene at 3 a.m. our time. I don't know if I would have done that before, but now, because of what I've been through, I want to make sure that, 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 that I have the compassion of Christ. And for those of you who need, need a biblical example why I did that, because Christ taught us to leave the 99 and go after the one. And that's what I did. And I would do it for you. Why? Because you become mature and complete when you face trials in a godly fashion with the help of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. The measure of a man or a woman is determined by what it takes to defeat them. You are measured by what it takes to defeat you. And as a church, we're not going to be defeated because of this. We're going to be better. We're going to be more empathetic. We're going to be more compassionate. We're going to be more loving. We're going to be more grace, more love. Why? Because that's what happens when you face trials and tribulations according to God's principles and God's ways. You become mature and complete. How many of you are here today and you want to be mature and complete? Not lacking anything. Amen. Number four, trouble happens. And running to God is our best option. See, when trouble happens, running to God is our best option. I don't think it's a mistake that Michelle, she was responsible for putting all these names up every single week. I don't think that's coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence that as a church we've been going through a year-long series on the name of God. Why? Because the Bible says in Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous can run to it. And we're safe. And so when you see those names up on that wall for the rest of the year, I want you to run. Why? Because when you are faced with trouble, running to God is the only option that I can offer here today. 
And I want to challenge you today. Who are you running to? What are you running to? I hope it's God. Some people run to social media. They run to food. They run to alcohol. They run to friends. They run to to, to be isolated. And and God wants you in the midst of your grief and sorrow and, and your crayons getting broken. He wants you to run to him because his name is a strong tower. When you run to him, you're safe. You're probably wondering why we got a cross in the middle of the aisle today. You probably came in here today and said, what in the world's going on? We got a cross in the middle of the aisle. Call the trustees. <laughs> I got this harebrained idea last night and I texted Patrick. I said, Patrick, I want you to I want you to go to the fellowship hall and I want you to get that cross that that we use for Easter and I want you to put it right in the middle of the aisle. There's a reason why I put this cross in the middle of the aisle and the reason is in times of trouble and hardship, the only place that you can run to that's going to really help you is the cross. And if I had four more, I'd put them all down the aisle in the lobby, in the parking lot. I'd put them everywhere. (laughs) I want this to be a symbol to you that your best option in times of hardship is to run to the cross. It's worked for centuries, and it will continue to be our very best option. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the rolled away. See, something happens when you run to the cross. Your eyes get open. But the burdens of your heart, they roll away. I can't explain it. But I know it works. I know that when you turn to God and you look to God and you run to him and you go to the cross, that the burdens of your heart, they roll away. So whatever's going on in your heart and your life, whatever's overwhelming you, keeping you up at night, whatever you're mad about in this whole situation, run to the cross because your eyes get open and the burdens of your heart roll away. It's called the old rugged cross, but it still works. See, I remember as a kid, I grew up in the Assemblies of God, which is a, a Pentecostal Uh, denomination. And man, we spent a lot of time at the altar. We spent a lot of time running to the cross. In fact, every Sunday night, we'd spend 30, 40, 50 minutes at the cross. And for some reason, I always picked, and the young people of the church, we picked the left-hand side of the church. And we'd come to the cross. Now, I would admit, sometimes I didn't know what in the world I was doing. Because I did it because all the other kids did it. But there's something powerful about coming to the altar. There's something powerful about running to the cross. And it is the only thing 
that will sustain you and help you and give you the ability to face whatever you're facing to give you victory and strength and peace and let the burdens of your heart roll away. Now, we're going to close here in just a few minutes. But I'm going to move this cross a little bit closer here to the front, and we're going to spend a few minutes, if you need to, at the cross. No counselors, only the cross. No appointments with the pastor, only the cross. And I want you to run to the cross and allow God to take the burdens of your heart and let them roll away. Can I get an amen? amen. Listen to what Rick Warren says. I love this. He says, your most profound and intimate experiences of worship will likely be in your darkest days. When your heart is broken, you feel abandoned, you're out of options, and the pain is great, and you turn to God alone. See, when heartache happens, run to God. It's your only real option when facing grief. Are you all still with me? So I told you all um, that I've turned, uh, this church has turned me from a smooth jazz listener <laughs> to country music. But mostly George. George is responsible and Austin for, for, for getting me on country music. And it's fun. I don't know a lot of them, but I do, I do like the fact, and, and you know, there's a lot of God, there's a lot of country, and so I'm turning into a country music fan. So we were on the boat yesterday, and, and uh, this country's music song came on, and I wrote it down, is by Thomas Rhett. And the title, of the title of the song was, Ain't Nothing That a Beer Can't Fix. <laughs> Blame George. And it was cute. And it was nice. And I should have been listening to Z88.3 at that time. I realized that. <laughs> but I thought to myself, is that all the world has to offer when you're going through hardship? Ain't nothing that a beer can't fix? I am so glad today as your pastor that when I get up in front of you today, my solution to your hardship is not a beer. Because a beer or a new wife or a new house or more money is not going to fix anything. The real solution when faced with hardship is not a beer. Is the cross. Are y'all with me? You pray for Pastor Scott. I just sometimes, I, I look for illustrations at all times and all moments and any conversation you have with me or any song that comes on the radio, that is going to be a great sermon illustration. So thank you, Thomas Rhett, for reminding us that only the cross gives real peace and hope. Can I get an amen? amen. Number five, real quick, misery happens so that you can relate to Christ's suffering. 
we're going through hardship because it helps us to relate to the suffering that Christ did on our behalf. 1 Peter chapter 12, verse uh, 4, 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised. Everyone say surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial that has come upon you to test you as though some strange thing were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you are participating in the sufferings of Christ. Oh, Martin Luther had it right. Listen to this. He says, they gave our master a crown of thorns. Why do we hope for a crown of roses? Hmm. John Piper had it right. He said this, this is God's universal purpose for all Christian suffering. More contentment in God, less satisfaction in the world. See, could it be that God allows bad things to happen to great people? Because he wants you and I to be a little bit more content in God and less satisfied with the world. That's why we suffer. And if Christ was given a crown of thorns, why do we go around believing for a crown of roses? It helps us to identify in Christ's suffering. Number six, quickly, Bruce, if you go to the keyboard, sadness, hardship, trouble happens so we can connect with others in pain. See, tribulations and, and, and grief and sorrow happen so that you can have credibility with other people that are going through pain. It's not just about you, it's about other people. God wanted to use you to help other people. Second Corinthians, I love this one. Grace to you, Bell Isle Church, and peace from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies. Everyone say mercies. He's the Father of all mercies, and the Bible says he's the God of all comfort. I like that. Who comforts us in our tribulations that we may be able to comfort others with the comfort we have received from the God of comfort. Wow. Look at me just for a moment. Watch this. You run to God in grief. You realize that beer is not an option. You run to God, and the Bible says that he's the God of all comfort. You run to him, you run to the cross, the burdens of your heart rolls away. The God of comfort gives you comfort. Now watch this. He gives you comfort to help you in that moment, but he gives you comfort so that you can freely give that comfort away to someone down the road. You can look someone in the eye with credibility and say to them, I have been where you are right now. And God gave me comfort. God gave me peace. I'm going to give it to you. You can't give away what you don't possess. And could it be that God is using this situation to give you a little bit of credibility so that you can look someone in the eye and say, I know what you've been through. People need to know that this is real. They need to know that this gospel works, and they're going to see that it works through you. Sorrow, heartache, getting your crayons broken, it gives you credibility 
to help other people down the road. I remember when Dee Lindley, my, my assistant, her husband Lonnie died. I gave her this scripture. It's in her office right now. I can take you to her, her Bible in her office, and this scripture is, and I said, Dee, I said, I don't have all the answers. I don't know why this happened. I don't know what's going on, but I do know this. One day, God's going to bring people into your life that are going through what you're going through, and you can speak to them with credibility. Trouble happens so that you can relate to other people. And then number six, last one. Number seven, I'm sorry. Trouble, hardship, sadness, grief, tribulations happen, but one day they'll all be gone. Revelation chapter 21. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more suffering, no more crying, no more pain. In a broken world, we have to deal with trouble. But one day, we're going to a place there'll be no more trouble. No more hardship. No more struggles. We'll be free. And can I tell you something? Michelle and Lacey are free. Every tear has been wiped. And they're in a place where there's no more sorrow, no more grief, no more suffering. They're free. I've worked with Michelle for 13 years. I, I caught myself today turning around. And her not being there. She's, she's the most detailed person I've, I've ever met. And I know she's listening now, and I know she's watching, and I need to repent to Michelle. She's so detailed, she would send me an eight-paragraph email. And I would respond with one word. <laughs> and I know she's shaking her head going, I just wrote him an epistle. I just wrote half the Bible, and he responds with one word? One thing I loved about Michelle, she doesn't even know this. I would, I would, she'd always stay late. She'd come in early and stay late, and, and many nights, instead of me driving home and coming back to the church for, for a, a meeting, I would just stay in my office. And she didn't even know I was there, but I knew she was there. Because as soon as 5 o'clock bell hit, everyone left. Michelle, sitting in her office working, would turn up a worship song, and she would sing to the top of her lungs. She didn't know that I knew. She didn't know that I was listening. And I was like, oh, man, I want to I love, love God like Michelle loved God. And she'd just sing and worship for hours. I'd go to my meeting, Michelle's still in her office, singing and worshiping, loving God. You know what I find great comfort in today? I find great comfort today that a few days ago when Michelle was ushered into the presence of God, God wiped away every tear and said to Michelle and Lacey, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more heartache, no more tribulations, no more crayons getting broken. You're free. And she's free today. No, we're not. So that's why we've got to talk about this. We've got to heal well and grieve well and, and, and run to the cross. Trouble happens because we live in a broken world, but one day we're not going to live in a broken world. 
No more pain, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more grief. It's going to be beautiful.